Good evening. It's good to see you back tonight. Let's stand together, please. Turn to page 530. Page 530. Joy unspeakable. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 together tonight. Lift it up on the first verse. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free as free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. Oh, the Savior's presence is so near, I can see His smiling face. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, oh, the half has never yet been told. I have found the joy no tongue can tell. How its waves of glory roll. It is like a great o'erflowing well springing up within my soul. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been hasn't been told amen and sure looking forward uh to that well it's glad to be in god's house again tonight sure thankful uh that you are here man a great group uh here tonight praise the lord for this morning amen and got to preach the gospel and then i uh, got to see miss Jean wiseman follow the lord in baptism that's a blessing right there somebody say amen tonight man that's just a blessing and sure thankful for that let's go to the lord in prayer uh tonight i'm gonna ask brother dave shane uh back there if you'd pray for us uh brother Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Of course, uh, this morning we were able to get out uh, the new uh, bulletins for the month of, uh, of November. And so just wanted to mention a, a few things and just kind of uh, cover the highlights. Of course, there's quite a few uh, teen activities and, and things. Uh, don't forget about this coming Friday, November the 11th. It is the uh, church hayride. Uh, and cookout. Of course, we have it uh, over at the Watson's uh, house uh, every year, and I just want to try to carry on that tradition, amen, and and just a real blessing. Uh, But if you are planning on going to that, there's a sign-up sheet out in the outer foyer. There's also uh, sign-up sheets for different uh, things that we'll need, Uh, and so we are going to probably, I think we're doing uh, hot dogs and chips and drinks and stuff like that, and and of course, you got to have s'mores and get it all over your face, right? And uh, so that way, uh, you know, people can take pictures and post it on Facebook and stuff like, you know, and 
Anyways, we always have a great time uh, in the Lord. Of course, uh, just wanted to just uh, remind you about that, and if you can help us out with that, and of course, and if you do plan on uh, you know, parking here at the church and riding the bus over. The bus is going to leave uh, at 6.30, and we do encourage people to do that just because it eliminates a lot of traffic and things like that because there's not a lot of room for parking and, and stuff like that, and you don't want to get in, you don't want to interfere with the hayride, amen, and so just wanted to mention uh, that, and then of course Sunday, November the 20th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to have our annual Thanksgiving uh, banquet this year, and our guest preacher this year is going to be Brother Tim Knudsen. He pastors uh, Jerome Bible Baptist Church, and so we're going to have our regular uh, morning services that morning, and then of course we'll have a lunch over uh, in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and the church is going to provide uh, the hams and the turkeys, and so if you uh, would like to uh, bring some side dishes and desserts and things like that, and then that way we'll just have a wonderful time uh, in the Lord, and then we'll come back over uh, for the afternoon service, and uh, there'll be no evening service that night, so make sure you come and be a part of that, and I would encourage you to stay for the whole day, amen, and let's just enjoy our time together, and then of course uh, that midweek, our midweek service that week of Thanksgiving, uh, we're moving it to Tuesday night as we always do, uh, November the 22nd, and again it'll be at 7 o'clock, there'll just be no Wednesday night service instead, it'll be moved to that Tuesday. Also want to mention this, if you have kids uh, in Faith Baptist School, uh, that Wednesday, November the 23rd, will start their Thanksgiving break, so they'll dismiss uh, at noon, and then of course resume school that Monday, November the 28th. Of course, Christmas, we do have some things coming up, wanted to mention a few of those things. We do have the school uh, Christmas uh, program, December the 13th, and then also the Junior Church Christmas program, December the 18th, and looking forward to that. In fact, our guest preacher that Sunday is going to be Brother Dave Hardy, and, and uh, just a real blessing there, and uh, looking forward to having uh, him. And if you haven't noticed uh, the calendar, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year, okay? And so here's what we're going to do, all right? So turn your ears on here just for a minute, all right? All I know is this, is that I have been doing this for about 15 years, and Christmas has fallen on Sunday on several occasions. And at first, I said, we're going to have church on Sunday morning, and then we're going to have church on Sunday night. And we would have a wonderful service that morning, and three people would be there that night. And two of those were my family, amen, so... So here's what, here's what I, you know, uh, talked with the staff about, and I, I, and I think that this is a good thing. I realize, listen, I realize Christmas, we do things with our families and all of that stuff, and I want to leave plenty of time for that, but you better understand this, without the birth of the Savior, you and I are not going to have Christmas, and I think He deserves our honor and our glory, okay? So we're going to have one service on Sunday, and it's going to be at 1030 in the morning. All right, and that means you will, you can, you will have, if you get up at six o'clock in the morning because your kids wake up and want to open presents like mine do, all right, you'll have plenty of time to open presents, then you can come to the house of God, you can worship the Savior for, you know, for which the day is, and then you can maybe, if you're nice, we might even get out early enough you get home to eat lunch, all right, with your family, but we're going to have one service at 1030 in the morning, and so, uh, Lord willing, we'll be done about 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I'm, I'm not going to rush it, but at the same time, we are going to honor the Lord, amen, and so just want to invite you to that. If you don't come to the morning service, you've got to come to the night service. You'll be the only one here, but you've got to come, amen, so that's uh, how we're going to do that. Now, what about New Year's Day? Well, I could think of nothing better than to have church all day on New Year's Day and start out the year right, amen, and so we're just, listen, we're going to carry on 
uh, as normal. You shouldn't be out late at night on New Year's Eve anyways and doing anything crazy. Be in the house of God on Sunday and you can go home and make some black-eyed peas and put a dime in it or what I don't know, whatever tradition it is you have. So that's what ours was. It was a southern thing. Why, I don't know. And I got the dime one year and it didn't help with my luck any, any at all. So. All right, Brother Eric, so come on ahead. It just hurt my teeth when I've been into it. Let's turn to page 440 together. Page number 440, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll sing all verses tonight. Page 440. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No foes alarm, no beams of pride, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Rock divine, oh refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house. I'm going to ask for Brother Gentry Gutierrez. Would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen.
as much when God is in it. Amen. Let's all stand together and turn to page 377. Page 377, Set My Soul Afire. Lord, we'll sing all three verses for our last song together tonight. Page 377. Sing out with me on the first verse. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let thy voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day. singing. You may be seated. Just before the message tonight, we'll have a special from the Quinlan family.
stuff tonight. Amen. Good old song tonight. What a blessing. Well, if you're here tonight and you got your Bibles, let's all stand in honor of God's Word tonight if you're able to. And I want to invite you to the book of Joshua once again. Of course, we've been going through the life of Joshua in our uh, Sunday evening services. And, and go with me tonight to Joshua uh, in chapter number 8 tonight. Joshua in chapter uh, number 8. Okay. And uh, going to look tonight at, at what I titled the worship of Joshua, okay, the worship of, of Joshua. If you remember, uh, if you were here uh, last week, and, and maybe you were, maybe you weren't, but in the previous verses, you, you can look, and it's what I, what I called uh, the AI sandwich, amen, and uh, between uh, Joshua and then, of course, the 30,000, the ambush, and, and uh, sandwiching the, the men of, of AI, the people of AI, and uh, thanks to 
Thanks to the encouragement of the Lord, Joshua and Israel got back into the fight after, after the defeat uh, at Ai the first time and even dealing with the sin of Achan. Okay? And then also, thanks again to the Lord for the instruction, they utterly destroyed the, vi- the city and won a great victory. So what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that rightly so, Joshua in our text leads the people into worshiping the Lord because after all, he's the one that deserves all the glory. So look at verse number 30. It says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man hath lift up any iron, and they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, and he, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark and on that side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger. All right? And as, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And, and afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings. Joshua's not Joel Osteen, friend. He gave it all. It's not just all positive messages in the Bible. You know why? Because man has a positive nature towards sin. So he read the blessings and the cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation with the women and the little ones. They didn't even have nursery back then, son. This was old school. Amen. All the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. And here's why. Because God wants everybody to have His Word. God wants everybody to be saved. Even in the Old Testament, friend, I think of Rahab the harlot, no doubt, her and her family being there now, hearing all of this for the first time maybe and going, man, this is awesome. Glad we didn't get nursery duty tonight. Joshua I want you to li- listen to this. Now, you and I understand the life, the life of Joshua, the book of Joshua. It's about victorious Christian living, okay? And Joshua tonight, I believe he shows us a necessary ingredient if you and I are going to live victoriously in Jesus Christ. You and I, we need to learn to worship the Lord. We really do. And I, well, preacher, I mean, we're faith Baptist church. That don't mean we worship God like we're supposed to. In fact, I, I think this, I, I think a lot of us don't worship God like we, we're supposed to. And the reason is because of spiritual pride. You understand? We need to learn. And by the way, he also shows us the key principles involved in what, what is true worship. Because true worship is always done within the boundaries of the Word of God. It is always according to spirit and truth. Now, now I want you to think about this for a minute. Just for a second, I'm going to say a couple of things, and we're going to pray and sit down. But I want you to think about this. You and I hear the term worship frequently today in Christianity. 
All right, we, we hear it over and over. Come worship with, with, with us. Our, uh, join us for, for worship. Our worship services start at such and such time. But here's what I want to plead to you tonight. I, I want to say this. I don't find the majority of God's people living victoriously. Well, what I find is that most people are struggling, and if not, in defeat. And here's why. Because we need worship, but we need biblical worship. Okay, and that, that's what we're going to see tonight from the life of Joshua. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word tonight? And Lord God, would you just use me as your vessel tonight? Just so thankful for the day today and the sweet spirit among your people. And just God praying for liberty once again uh, tonight. I know that some of the things that I'm going to preach on tonight are principles and and precepts that we've already dealt with. Many know here tonight, but Lord, help us, Lord, to have a spirit to understand we need to bring these things in remembrance. But at the same time, Lord, help us to see the power of this scene tonight. And oh, great God, help us to be a people that, Lord, really humble our hearts and truly worship you. Would you bless tonight, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. It was uh, it was funny last Sunday night after the evening uh, service we had the uh, we had the chili cookoff and uh, evidently one of our uh, teen uh, young men uh, Gentry uh, Gutierrez I didn't tell him I was going to mention his name tonight so I hope he's not mad at me later but uh, evidently he made some some chili with some cinnamon in it I think is that. Is that right? He had some cinnamon in it. And so everybody kept coming up and going, you need to try Gentry's chili. And the reason for that is because many people know the story I've told about my wife making chili uh, one time. And she was adding the chili powder in the chili. The only problem was we found out later the hard way it wasn't actually chili powder. It was cinnamon. Um, in fact, we'd made our bowls of chili and we sat down and we prayed. And I don't know, I don't remember what I prayed, but evidently it wasn't a good prayer. Because we took a bite of that chili and man, it was, you know, and it was, it was, now here's the thing, we still ate the chili, but I want to clarify tonight, that was not one of those happy little accidents that would just change our recipe for the rest of our lives. In fact, my wife still puts the cinnamon in a completely different cabinet than all the other spices that we have to make sure that that never happens again. All right, and I do want to say tonight that I didn't try Gentry's chili, and I hope he's not personally offended, but G-Town's got to understand, I was traumatized over that last event, and I, I just can't bring myself to, to do that again, amen. So, Now, here's why I'm telling you all of that tonight. It's because chili powder is a main ingredient in chili, just like worship is a main ingredient for victorious Christian living. All right, the problem comes in when, when you and I, we don't have worship at all, or we've got a counterfeit ingredient like entertainment. Which really, if I could say it like this, is what a lot of so-called worship uh, is in our day and time. Which explains why so many live uh, in defeat, even though they're, they're, they're going to a so-called church and all of these things. Let me, let me help you with this tonight. This is, and, I, and I tell you, this is a great passage on the subject of worship uh, in John chapter 4 when Jesus met the woman at the well. Listen, the argument of worship is not anything new under the sun. It was going on back during the days of 
the Lord Jesus Christ and he would go among the Samaritans and, and of course she would begin to talk about uh, how they had worship but the Jews claimed that they had worship there at the temple in Jerusalem. Here's what Jesus said about worship in John chapter 4 in verses 23 and 24. He said this, he said, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. I would say to you, that little phrase right there is worth underlining in your Bible. But then he goes on to say in verse 24, he says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, in that, little, in that little two verses right there with that conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus made two, two things very clear about the subject of worship. One of those is this. The Father desires to be worshipped. I would, I, I listen, and because of this, I do want to say tonight, and I want to go on record as saying this, I don't think it's a bad thing that we hear the term worship frequently. Because you understand, BB, in fact, I think this. I think you and I, I think we should be far more concerned with our worship than what we are. Because, because I'm just telling you, because if the Father seek his, seeks such to worship Him, you and I ought to have a desire to worship the Heavenly Father. And I'm just telling listen, and I say this tonight to say this. I know that we point the finger uh, out there to call out what is wrong in the area of worship. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. I think we need to understand what is wrong, but also what is right. But I also know this. It's dangerous to know that they have it wrong, but yet we're really not worshiping God either. You, you understand what I'm saying? But the second thing that Jesus does is this, is that he gives us really the parameters of worship. He says this, it is in spirit and in truth. Now, I, I believe this. I, you, you know, you could talk about spirit being your attitude and things like that. But I think ultimately it goes back to the Holy Spirit of God who should be controlling our spirit and our attitude. All right? And I believe this, no doubt, truth would have to be talking about the Word of God. So we would understand tonight that anything, please get this, anything outside of those boundaries isn't worship to God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you understand the word worship and means to ascribe worth to. Yeah, so therefore, if you and I decide to go outside of the parameters that the Lord Jesus Christ has given in His Word to worship Him, well, here's the reality. Then we really aren't worshiping Him. You understand, if you've got the hard attitude tonight, well, listen, I'm just going to worship God when I want to worship and the way that I want to worship. Well, let me help you with this tonight then the reality is you're not worshiping God at all. You're worshiping you. You're ascribing worth to you, how you want to do it, how you feel like it should be done, and this and that, and, the other, and it all revolves around you. I'm just simply saying tonight that God's given us the parameters in His Word in which we're to worship Him. And if you and I are to ascribe worth to Him, then we must fall within those parameters. We must fall within those parameters. So couldn't we say tonight, 
that on one hand, the entertainment crowd of today can claim to be, well, you know, we're just, we're just in the spirit. But yet it's completely contrary to the truth. So then really, if it's contrary to the truth, then we have to come to the conclusion that no matter what somebody claims, it's not really of the Spirit at all. Because here's one thing I know about the Spirit. It's the Spirit that authored the truth. They go together, friend. It's not like He's going to lead you into something that is contrary to what He has written in His Word. So, So on one hand, we have to understand that truth that people can say, well, you know, it's just we're just in the Spirit. Well, listen, if you're outside the boundaries of the truth then my friend, then you're not really in the spirit. But on the other hand, you can have the truth and not have the spirit. All right. And therefore you're still really not worshiping God. And to us, and it's us who have to be careful not to fall into that category to where we're, listen, we're all about the truth. And, 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 and we don't yet, we're not a people that are walking really in the spirit of God to avoid walking with God in our personal lives, but going through the motions of things at church. And a Christian in this spiritual condition is a Christian on his or her way to defeat. Folks, I'm telling you tonight, we must maintain a heart of humility and thanksgiving and, 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 and worship unto God because that, I'm just telling you, that's going to help us to have uh, victory tonight. Let me, let me give you some things just quickly tonight that Joshua, I believe Joshua shows us here from his worship uh, unto God. This is the first thing that I, I thought about tonight, and that's this. I, I believe this, Joshua shows us tonight that worship was a priority in his life. It's a priority in his life. I want you to go look at verse number 30 with me. It says, Then Joshua... Uh, built an altar uh, unto the Lord, a uh, God of Israel in, in Mount Ebal. And, and you can go back and look at the previous verses, but after the, after the victory at Ai in those verses, Joshua would lead the people some 30 miles from their camp in Gilgal to Mount Ebal to set up an altar unto God. Now that's 30 miles. Listen, you, you understand, it's not like they called Uber. They walked. You, you understand what I'm saying? They walked and they trekked it 30 miles. And be a fact, you can look down at verse number 33, uh, and it talks about all, in all Israel, their elders and officers and judges, and they stood on this side of the ark and on that side of the ark before the priests of the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal, and so right there it shows us that Mount Gerizim was involved in as well. And, and, and actually, if you understand the layout, the topography of the land, and, and, and all of this, it's actually, there, there's a valley between these two mounts, and, and it's amazing. I actually read one commentator who described the ledges and things on the mount, and it's almost like this. It's almost like a natural amphitheater, all right? It's like they all said, and they all were down in the valley, and all the way up the sides of the mountains and the ledges on the mountains were almost like, almost like church pews lined up right there. And they got in there and, and, and Joshua would give them the word of God and, and, and the things that are filled out in our text. But here's, 
Here's the point tonight, and I want you to catch this. You had the home base of Gilgal where the tabernacle was at. So obviously worship took place there. We could go back and talk about Joshua being on his face and praying before the Ark of the Covenant in chapter 7 and even in chapter number 8. But now you have Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And so this shows us that Joshua, he made it a priority in his life to worship God, listen to this, both privately and publicly. Both at home and at church. If I could say it like that. And this is what we must do. And by the way, like spirit and truth, let me say this tonight. Worship at home and at church, they both complement each other. They both complement each other. Well, what do, you, what do you mean, preacher? Well, here's the thing. They go together, meaning this. If you're not doing one, then you cannot do the other. You, listen, if you're not walking with God at home in your personal life and worshiping Him at home, you're going to come to church and you're going to struggle to genuinely worship God. And I, Listen, I'm just telling you, friend, you can have all the truth you want to, but if you're not worshiping God, you're going to struggle and you're going to struggle and end up in defeat. I've watched it too many times in my life in ministry. I'm just telling you, tonight, listen, it's just a simple fact. You, listen, listen, you cannot compartmentalize the God of heaven and earth into an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning and expect that that's going to get you through life. That's not how God works. You know, and you, well, you know, preacher, with, you, you know, you got till 12 o'clock and noon, buddy, I'm clocking out. I had a preacher friend talking about a, a guy in his church that every time he, they'd start service at 11 o'clock and they'd have the songs, he'd start preaching. And it didn't matter where he was in his message. Man, at 12 o'clock, the guy'd shut his Bible and walk out the back door. I was like, what a blessing that guy was. Son, I'm telling you, I'd be tempted to have one of the ushers tackle him and bring him, drag him back in here. And then I'm going to preach till 1 o'clock and have the usher just sit there and hold him. You're not going anywhere. Brother Job put the bear hug on him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you understand, friend, if, you, if that's where you're at and you're, you're not worshiping God at home, here's what I want to challenge you with tonight. This is reality. You're going to come in here and you're not going to get anything. And then, and then this is typically what happens. You know, the song leader, he just, you know, none of the music tonight, it just, it didn't move me. Well, I wonder why. Well, you know, preacher, the message tonight, it just, it just really didn't hit home. And, 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 and maybe, maybe, maybe tonight, maybe, maybe it'd, it'd be good to just take a good hard look in the mirror and realize it's not the song leader's fault and it's not the man of God's fault. And maybe it's where the condition of your heart is. And if it wasn't so hard, maybe it would hit home. And maybe it would give you the, give a touch your heart and, and work in your life. See, you must make it a priority to spend time in the prayer closet and to walk with God daily. Just as Joshua was on his face before the ark of God, you and I need to get on our face and seeking God in prayer, in our private life. And then what happens is that translates and as you come in here, you're prepared for worship and all of a sudden God speaks and God moves in your heart and life and the next thing you know, you find yourself getting fed and worshiping God in spirit and truth. You need to understand something tonight. Just like it is, I have to prepare for worship and preaching. There is preparation for everybody that's here tonight. 
if you and I want to worship God. But here's the other thing, too, on the other side of that coin. You can say that, well, you know, preacher, I just worship God at home. But, but if you're not willing to come to church and worship, and worship God, then you're not worshiping God at home either. And you sit back tonight and what way, well, you know, I just don't. No, 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 no. Here's why. Because you're in disobedience to the truth. Because here's what God said, that we're not to forsake our assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In fact, we're to do it even more and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I believe we're not far out. I'm just saying to you tonight, friend, church, you, you can't get church, church attendance. It is not up for debate tonight. It's just not. And if you refuse to come to church and be faithful to the house of God, but then turn right around and claim to be worshiping God at home, I'm just telling you tonight, it, you're not really doing it. I, I remember witnessing to a guy uh, one time, and, and you know he wanted to use this as an argument with me. His wife was a dear faithful member there of the church in, in, in Cassville, and he was just a, you know, a stubborn old cowpoke and ranch hand and and I ended up having uh, surgery and was in the hospital. And she said, Preacher, you can't go anywhere. Come on up here. And I said, All right. And I did, man. He was right there on the hospital bed. And he couldn't go anywhere. And he was over there aching and groaning in pain. And I let him have it. I mean, if we're going to hurt, we might as well get it all hurt. And I did. And I started waiting. And he just said, You know, Preacher, he said, I, I, get, I understand all that. But listen, you. You, you know, I can just, listen, I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to go to church. I can be out there in the cow pasture and worship God. God is everywhere. And that's true. You can. But the problem is your heart. It's your heart. And with that attitude, you can say that, but you're not really worshiping God out there in the cow pasture. All you're doing is using that to justify your disobedience unto God. That's all you're doing. Here's what I know. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. All right, listen, I, I'm telling you if, you, if you want victory in your Christian life tonight, you, listen, you must make it a priority in your life, both privately and publicly, to worship God. You have to. I'm telling you, you've got to make it a priority. And, I, listen, and you can look at me and I can go, well, preacher, you're the pastor and that's easy for you to say. Listen, when I wasn't the pastor and when I was working a secular job, I, I, I didn't, whatever time they said to be at work that morning, that was fine. But I knew this and you can ask my wife tonight. I would wake up two hours before I had to go in because I knew that I needed to get on my face before God and worship God if I was going to live in victory. I knew that. I knew that. I, I can remember even... First getting saved and and man, and we lived some 30 minutes from church and, and man, we made it a point to be in the house of God Sunday morning and Sunday night and, and Wednesday night and, and, and man, I'm just telling you, whether it was my private life or my public life, it became a priority in my life to be faithful and obedient and to worship God in my life. And I'm telling you, my friend, the victory that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is of no accident. It's because that was part of my life. Making a priority. I'm just telling you tonight, if you want to call me, don't call me tomorrow. It's my day off. 
But if you call up Tuesday and say, Preacher, you know, I need your counsel. I've got this job offer, but it's going to require me to work on Sundays or Wednesdays and miss Wednesday night church or something like that. I'm just going to tell you straight up tonight, you're probably not going to like the counsel you get. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. Make him your priority. If it's a job that takes you away from the worship of God, I'm going to tell you this tonight, it ain't God offering you the job. Because God's not going to give you anything that's going to turn you away from Him. He's going to give you things that will lead to your victory in your spiritual life. And I'm just saying to you tonight, friend, I'm I'm just telling you, if you want victory in your life tonight, you've got to make the worship of God a priority in your life where you worship God in your public life and you walk with God, you spend time in His Word and you spend time in the prayer closet. But my friend, when the doors are open in the house of God, be here, friend, and worship God and give Him the glory and the praise. Why, preacher, why? Because He deserves it. That's why. He deserves it. But here's something else that Joshua shows us tonight. Not only does he show us that worship was a priority in, in, in his life. But I believe this. He shows us some very key principles. Really, if I could say it like this, timeless principles in the worship of Almighty God. It's amazing that you can go back to when Israel is just now entering into the land. And yet you can see uh, uh, the worship that goes on here in the biblical principles that are here. And yet, it, 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 it's almost like it carries all through the Scriptures. Let me, let me just give you some things here that I noticed tonight, and, and we'll just chew on them here j- just for a minute. One of the things is this. I like this. He shows we can have spontaneity in our worship. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, as far as I know, when you go to verse number 30, and it says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, There was nothing, I mean, you go back to the beginning of the chapter, or even in chapter 7, or even well before that, before the sin of Achan, and they first started spying out the land of of Ai. There is nothing where God gives instruction and says that as soon as you get victory here, you need to stop and worship me. There's nothing like that. Joshua shows this. I'm just telling you, Joshua just felt, Joshua just felt led to worship God. Just felt like he needed to. This is what I thought about tonight. Joshua shows us that we don't have to be in the, in the bondage of an order of service. Brother Eric trying to tell me what to do. No. Well, I actually, when I first came, became pastor, I said, hey, we need to get one of these together so we know what's going on. So we don't look like Mo and Larry and Curly all standing up here in the... Me and him and Brother Tim, amen. The three stooges. But it does, doesn't it? And don't, and don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand me tonight or put words in my mouth. I understand God is a God of order. And I don't ever want to lose that uh, you know, understanding of that or take advantage of that. But, but uh, you know, I, I don't believe we should wing it. These guys that just, you know, that seem to want to wing it, uh, in their in their you know order of service or even in their preaching, those guys make me nervous. You know, I had a guy one time pull out of his pocket his his message for that morning, and it was a three by five note card with a few words wrote on. It. And I'm thinking, let me, let me show you mine. 
I write down everything I'm going to say, man. I'm, it makes me nervous. I got to prepare and get ready. And I don't believe, listen, I don't, I don't believe in winging it. And I think that we should have a plan. But at the same time, I want you to listen to this. We don't have to be so rigid that the Holy Spirit can't interrupt things. I, I think it's good that the song leader has liberty to sing another verse or sing it in acapella. I love that. I love you, there's sometimes where I'm standing over here and Brother Eric goes back and I'm sitting here thinking it in my mind. And Brother Eric's like, all right, let's go back and say, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Now tonight I was wanting to sing little as much and God is in it, you know, and change the last song, but he didn't get the, you know, trying to send the radar. But he did. He said he had a nap today and it was a good nap. So that messed him up. Got him, got us off a little bit. We'll, we'll get it worked out of no, he, I know, it's, I'm just teasing. But I think, listen, I think it's good, and I think it's good that the man of God should have liberty and to be able to preach and, and, deal, and deal with things as he preaches and, and as the Lord leads, or by the way, or even to make a change in our service somewhere. I've just said, listen, we, we have got to be careful about becoming a people of routine and routine leading to apathy and those kind of things. Listen, I realize we all got our special spots where we sit and we, many of us know the routine, you know, two songs and announcements or a song and an announcement and another song and offering and another song and a special and the me- and I And I understand all that, but I'm just saying to you that we shouldn't be so rigid on everything where the Spirit of God can't invade our lives from time to time. Man, I remember, I, listen, one of the blessings in my blessing book is when I was preaching in, at Bible Baptist Church in Cassville and I had been the pastor for about a year or so and and uh, we were going through the book of Judges. And man, I just got tore up about some things. And God just worked me over. And that night, man, I just started preaching and just pouring out my heart and my burden for the city of Cassville and the church. And man, I started crying through the message. And people were crying and they were listening. Next thing you know, one of the key families in the church, in the middle of the message, got up and came to the altar. Then another family got up and came to the altar. And man, we just had to stop the whole service and have invitation. And the whole church came to the altar. Son, I'm just telling that's not something you forget. I'm just saying to you, friend, that we need, we need those moments in whether it be our personal life or whether it be in our corporate life and setting in the house of God where we allow the Spirit of God to invade our life and we're not worried about what anybody else thinks. We just let God. Even if you've got to come to the altar and ugly cry. Amen. And just let God have His way. But here's the other thing about spontaneity, and I like this about Joshua. It should always be balanced with the Scriptures. Because if you'll notice, he builds, he builds in verse number 30, he builds that altar under the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. But look at verse number 31. It says, As, Mo, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, listen to this, as it is written... According to the word of God, in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man had lift up any iron, and they burnt sacrifices and sacrificed peace offerings on that altar. So you understand, Joshua, though it was a, it was a, a spur of the moment, if you will, where he felt led to worship God, he also did it within the boundaries of the word of God. And I want to say to you tonight, yes, there, there should be times where we let... 
that we, that we, anytime the Spirit of God wants to invade our life, we better let Him have His way. And, and, but, but also this, I think we understand, we see this also from, the, from this principle right here, and that's this, is that everything that we, sh- that we do, it should be outlined by the Word of God. And can I, I listen, I, I realize I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but can I just address music just for a minute? Because I am watching, I'm watching independent Baptists. I'm watching, I'm watching what is, what used to be some of our flagship churches, if I could say it like this. And their music is going, is trending in a direction of the world. I mean, I, you know, I, I saw one, I saw a picture uh, earlier in, in uh, Independent Baptist Church that had a drum set and a, and a praise team standing up, you know, and, and, you know, some guy in a flannel shirt and pair of jeans and some woman and, you know, pants and what, what, and I just, and I don't really care, dress, whatever. But I'm going to tell you something, that is, that is wicked, and I listen, and I realize tonight that there is this is the direction that everybody seems to be going. But I want you to understand something tonight. As long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're not going in that direction. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just telling you, it should be that our music is outlined by the Word of God. In other words, it falls within the parameters of truth. And folks, last time I checked, it was psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in our hearts unto the Lord. And, and you want to, well, you know, preacher over, uh, you know, everything, all, with all the instruments, we should praise Him in Psalm 150 and 149. Yeah, but look at the instruments. They were all stringed instruments. Last time I checked, they didn't need electricity to work. Pretty sure they didn't have it back then. And I'm not saying, that, you know, we just need to throw out technology altogether. I'm thankful for the live streaming and, and you know, the speakers and, and, and things like that and the sound. And it helps us with everything. I'm not knocking all those things. I'm just simply saying this, that we better stay within the parameters of the Word of God. And you understand tonight, listen, that, that music, that this contemporary Christian music and the things that are going on today, it, 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 the lyrics of it are generic and repetitive and they appeal to the flesh, and, and the sound and the melody is worldly and based upon the, you know, the, the genres of this world, like rock music. I never thought I'd live in a day where you put Christian and rap music together. That is absolute absurdity. And this is the, the, the things that we're going, and folks, I'm just, I'm just telling you that, that, that God's music, that music, that music has its place but it's meant to glorify God and also to prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God. It is, meant, it is not meant to appeal to the flesh, and, and, so it, it, and so it has no business being influenced by the world, not in lyrics and not in sound and melody. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm telling you with all my heart that when people come in here from out in that world, the music that they hear and hear should be vastly different from what they hear on their radio station. 
Because it's outlined by the Word of God. It's within the boundaries of the Word of God. And here, listen, and, and it's not just music. Folks, it's everything that we do in a script. You know, it should be founded in a scriptural principle. And I, I don't have time tonight to go to Nehemiah chapter 8. But man, I love that passage where all the people stood in reverence to the Word of God. And I realize there are oftentimes people and visitors that come in and go, well, that's weird. And then I want to go, well, read Nehemiah 8. Because they all stood in reverence to the Word of God. And nowhere in Scripture do you find people casually approaching worship. Nowhere. And I'm not just talking about how they dress, but boy, that'll sure preach right there. Because nobody wore their pajamas to the tabernacle. No, you put your priestly garments on. You reverenced and respected the house of God. And I'm just saying to you, I think everything that we do... When we stand up and honor God's Word, the way we come to the house of God, there ought to be preparation with it in, what we're in, in our prayer time, how we dress, everything that we do. Listen, there is always preparation and sacrifice that comes with worshiping God. And by the way, you can go to 1 Corinthians 14 and you'll find out this, that an invitation was given after the preaching of God's Word. And we're not Calvinists, we're Bible-believing Baptists, and we're going to have an invitation. And this is what else I love is that Joshua's worship, folks, it was centered around the Word of God. I mean, you look at verse number 32. He wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. That was a lot of stones and a lot of chiseling. And I don't know. People have said, well, you know, they probably put plaster up and all that. I don't know. All I know is he wrote it on the stones. It's what Moses did after he broke the first ones. Joshua did it right here as well. And in verse 33, in verse 33, all the people were in attendance. It didn't say anything about, you know, the tribe of Issachar missing because the chief game was on. In fact, even the, even the visiting, even the Gentile people that had believed on the Lord, they, they were there. And I love, listen, I love verses 34 and, and 35. And I, want you to, and I want you to notice it says, And afterward he read all the law, words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that was written in the book of the law. There was not a word that, of all that Moses uh, commanded. You understand, Joshua didn't skip any passages that he felt like, Maybe a family in the, among the tribes would not like. He gave it all. He just gave them all the Word of God. The whole counsel of God. You see, where most churches today are centering their services on worldly music to entertain the people, and the preaching has become almost null and void. Joshua and his worship was completely flipped. The Word of God was the centerpiece. And by the way, that's where ours is going to stay too. But here's what I know. You know why? It's because he knew as well as I know. Folks, this, this is what we need if we're going to have spiritual victory. 
We need the whole counsel of God. We need the ark. We need the presence of God among us. We need these things. But here's, here's the last thing, and I, I'm through tonight. Because Joshua not only shows us the, the principles and, and the priority that he had in his life to worship God, he really he shows us this, the purpose for our worship. I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't help but ask myself, this is almost just so, I mean, it's so quick, and, it's, and it is, it's, it's spontaneous. And so I have to ask myself, why, why would Joshua say, okay, fellas, follow me? We're going to Mount Ebal. Mount what? What did he say? And they walked some 30 miles to go to this mount and, and to build an altar and to worship God. Like, and, and, I, I just, and I had to ask myself, why? And I really believe this. I believe there's two reasons for this. Certainly one would be this, the very obvious one. It was to praise and thank God for what he did at Ai. As I already mentioned, listen, it was God that done everything here. It was God that encouraged Joshua. It was God that gave the battle plan. It was God that gave them strength to, to overcome uh, and win the victory. The, the point is this, all of the glory belonged to God. And so therefore he deserved this. And Joshua wanted to make it a habit in his life to consistently praise the one who gave him victory. Why? To ensure that he'd have future victories. Folks, I, I don't have to tell you, I don't have to tell you this, that we are living in a culture that reeks of unthankfulness. We've got one day a year where we're thankful, and even on that day we're not thankful. Generally speaking, it's families getting together and fighting, and everybody talking about the next day, which is Black Friday, when we go from being thankful to wanting to kill everybody so we can get some deal on a piece of technology. And folks, I, I'm just saying to you, I, I believe this. I believe one of the big reasons why God's people aren't worshiping God today like they should is because this same unthankful attitude has influenced our lives and we're not really willing to acknowledge that. Truth of the matter is, I believe sometimes we're like the ten lepers that Jesus healed and only one of them came back and Jesus said, where are the nine? We're just an unthankful people. And God, God help us tonight to learn to humble ourselves and to take time to praise Him and thank Him. To give Him the glory He deserves. And I, because I'm just, listen, and, and even when He gives us victory over something, to stop and to praise Him and, and, and thank Him. Listen, folks, I'm, I'm just telling you tonight, and I'm telling myself as well, because I need this as well. But there should be times that where we're in that prayer closet in our personal life and we don't have anything to ask of God. We just want to thank Him. I, 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 I don't like going in my past life and thinking about my past life to dwell on sin. But I love going into my past life and rejoicing in what God has done. And I listen, I'm... I'm just telling you tonight, He has been good to us. And you say, preacher, you don't understand. No, you don't understand God. I, I get it. There are trials and tribulations, but He's been good to us. 
And He deserves to be praised and, and thanks. And listen, and as what I have found is this, is that as this becomes habit, folks, victory takes place. It does. But it's when we develop this attitude, you know what, we just deserve this. You've you got to watch out because that type of attitude is headed towards defeat. And Joshua understood that and said, man, I don't want our people walking away from this going, look at what we did. Let's stop and praise the one who gave it to us. But here's, here's the other thing. And, and I just I want you to think about this. I, I believe this. I, I believe that the other thing was this. It was to ensure that another Achan situation wouldn't happen again. You ever think about that? Why do, why do you think Joshua built an altar? Why do you think he rehearsed the law of Moses? It, come on, it, it was so the, also, you know, the, I realized there were the strangers among them, but it was so the people of God could hear it again as well. It was, it was to show them, it was to show them that God gave the victory, but it was the sin of Achan that brought defeat. There were the blessings, but the cursings, remember? And he was reminding them of it. And so therefore, what he was essentially saying was this. Hey, don't be an Achan. Be a Joshua. But this too shows us why we need to worship God. Because really, I believe this, it it demonstrates to others who gives the victory but also what brings defeat? Sin. I, listen, this is what I found in my experience, and you can take it for what you will. But when you have a preacher that is tender-hearted towards God, that worships Him in His personal and public life, what I have found is this, is that this influences people to worship God in their private and public life. And you know what happens? Victory. But at the same time, I've also seen pastors that are very flippant about the worship of God. And it's almost like the people of God become a people that just go through the motions and then all of a sudden some tragedy happens and there's great defeat. I I could say the same thing about a youth director and, and, and that's tenderhearted or a Sunday school teacher that's tenderhearted towards God and the worship of God. And they will have an influence on their students to, to do the same. And as a result, victories will take place. But friend, you got a guy that's just goofing off or a teacher that's just goofing off. It's going to create kids that goof off and end up in wickedness and defeat. Listen, when parents worship the Lord, and, and all of a sudden they create kids that worship God and live in victory, we all sit around and go, wow. How did they do that? Well, you know, bippity-boppity-boo. There was no special magic trick. It's just they made it a priority in their life. They followed the biblical principles, and they worshiped, and they worshiped God. And man, I'm telling you, and, and then their kids, it influenced their children to, to follow in that, but but here's the, but watch this. But it's also of no coincidence that when you got moms and dads in apathy, and it influences kids 
And I don't even want to say apathy because that's not the end result. It's usually an all-out rebellion and I don't want nothing to do with God. Folks, I'm telling you, Joshua built an altar and he got the Word of God out and he went through all the Word of God to show them, listen, this is a priority in my life. This is where I want to be. I don't want to end up like Achan. I want to follow God. God's the one that gave us the victory. And what he's saying is this, folks, let's follow God, not Achan. And he's trying to influence them in their life. And I think you and I need to be aware of that power of worship as well. You know, the bottom line tonight is this, is that the worship of God, it is so incredibly important for spiritual victory. But what I'm afraid of tonight is this, is that we don't, we don't have it like we're supposed to in our personal lives. Or we've got some counterfeit. And folks, I'm telling you tonight, what we need is a genuine Broken, humble, praise and thanksgiving unto the God who gives victory. And you watch as God continues to do the same thing. Victory. Let's all stand tonight.